at your bookshelves over here. He says, you all over the wall, ain't you? He says, oh, he says, well, I believe in broadening my horizons. He says, okay. He says, I just got one question for you. He said, what's that? He says, where's your Bible? He said, oh, that's right here somewhere. How are you going to broaden your horizon without the Bible? You got Bible, Bible commentaries, but not the Bible itself. He ends up, he ends up finding it later on, and that's, and that's all fine. Well, at least he's got one. Praise God for that. But the point is this. I about said his name. This, this individual starts talking to this man. And he says, do you go to church anywhere? He says, yes, I do. He goes to this Methodist church in Greer. And he says, yeah. He sa- he's talking about how uh, the pastor, I think her name was Miriam. Uh, Mar- Miriam had been there. She, she's had four husbands. And she's pastoring this church and another church. And he's like, okay. And he looks at him. He says, well, you know what the Bible says about that, right? He says, no, I don't. He says, of course you don't. You just got to know this guy. He's very sarcastic. He'll throw shots. He said, what does the Bible say? He says, open it up to 1 Timothy chapter 3. If a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired the, uh, uh, the good work. For he must be the husband of one wife. And he, start, and he goes on through. And he says, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, here's the word progressive. We're progressive. And, and then, now, now my friend here does not go to a Baptist church, by the way. He doesn't. But he's a Bible believer. This is what he says. He says, so you mean to tell me y'all don't believe the Bible? He says, well, we refer to it sometimes. That's what he said. This is going on right now in Greer, South Carolina, just next to Greenville. Right now. You say, preacher, what's the big ordeal? God's people perish for their lack of knowledge. We forget who we are because we forgot where we came from. And look, I, I've been wanting to, to, to teach on this so long, and I figured now's as good an opportunity as, as any. I'm not saying that other churches out there don't believe the Bible. I know they do. I've got, I've got a, a friend of mine, a pastor of a Methodist church. I'd have him behind his pulpit because he preaches it straight, amen. He preaches the Word of God with boldness, amen. But I'm here to tell you that we as, as Baptists, we believe in biblical authority. That, that, is, that is where everything comes down to. What does the Bible have to say about it? Amen. And I'm glad for bylaws, if they're written in the right spirit, they protect and help the church. But that's not the final authority. Amen. The final authority is the Bible. Secondly, this morning, I won't, I'm going to run out of time, but uh, I won't be able to make it, but I, I want to show you a few things. Baptist, B-A-P-T-I-S-T. The A in Baptist stands for the autonomy of the local church. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 says, And He is the head of the body. Praise God for that. You hear that? Hey, Pastor Waters ain't head of the body. Jesus is. He is the head of the body. The church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things we might have preeminence. Thank God for Jesus because He's head of the church. Amen. I don't have to go to a pope. I don't have to go to a guy that calls himself father, looks like mama. Hey, praise God. I can go to Jesus. Amen. I, Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. I ain't got to go to a preacher. I don't have to go to a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. My Jesus is head of the church. Amen. Hallelujah. We believe in that. That's our hierarchy. It's Jesus from the top down. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you, uh, a local church is independent. It's an independent body. It's accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, who holds them accountable? The Lord Jesus Christ. How does He hold them accountable? By them reading their Bible, teaching their Bible, living their Bible. 
Jesus whole, uh, is, is over them all. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm neither in this camp or that camp on associations and whatnot. I'm, I've kind of got problems on both sides of the aisle. But my point is, it don't matter if we're part of an association that keeps us in check or not. The point is, Jesus can keep us in check. Amen. Jesus keeps us in line with the Bible. And, and whether we're independent Baptists or we're Southern Baptists or whatever, we are all autonomous. Even in the 2000 Baptist faith and message that we had to learn and practically memorize at Fruitland, they will even tell you that we are to live as Christians in a local autonomous New Testament church. That Even in the Southern Baptist Convention, every church is accountable to the Lord and not to the convention. Amen. We're accountable. We're independent. We govern ourselves. You know what that means? That means I, and I love our local churches. I'm so glad that I've got to get involved in, in the Free Will Baptist Church and the Wesleyan Church and, and, and the, the, the other Baptist Church. and the other. I, I'm glad I've been able to get involved. But hey, praise God, what's going on there does not affect what's happening here. And then what's happening here does not affect what's happening there. Amen. And I'm fine with fellowship. I know some Baptist preachers, my goodness, they, they don't want to fellowship with nobody. And this is what one man said. It was kind of funny. He said, brother, he said, we're so separate that the tadpoles in our pond don't associate with the tadpoles in their pond. I said, well, brother, that's, that's all right, but that ain't no way to be, amen. Hey, we're to have fellowship one with another, but my point is what's going on and how they run their church, we have no business here. You, you understand what I'm saying? Amen. Autonomy does not mean isolation. The Bible says be separate, not isolated, amen. And in a Baptist church, we can have fellowship with other believers, including believers of other denominations. Amen. I want to show you the P in Baptist. Amen. The P in Baptist stands for the priesthood of the believers. Every born again believer has direct access to the throne of God. Amen. Amen. I don't have to come for a comp- confession. Oh no. I-, I can have confession right now at this old fashioned altar. I ain't got to go talk to no priest. Hey, because I'm a child of God, I have direct access to the throne room of God. Amen. Therefore, because of that, every child of God shares in the priesthood of the believers. And we have the same right as ordained ministers to communicate with God, to interpret Scripture, and to minister in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, I believe in the priesthood of the believers. You say, I don't. Well, this is what First Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says. Ye also, that's all of us, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. You know what the Bible calls you? A holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means I can pray when it's just me and God. Amen. I can read my Bible when it's just me and God. Amen. I ain't got to go to some preacher. I ain't got to go to some priest. When it's just me and God, I can talk to him. Amen. Hey, I might get through this after all. Praise God. Hey, uh, T... T, the first, uh, first T is the two ordinances of the church. Two ordinances of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which He was uh, betrayed took bread. And when He gave thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. What does He say there? Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's a, I'm glad it's there because that's Bible. Hey, one of the ordinances of the, of the church is to have 
the Lord's Supper. Amen. We, we had it uh, not, not too long ago, and I'm, and I'm glad we did. It says, do this in remembrance of me. We understand this. It's not... Uh, um, every, time I, every time I try to pronounce the word, it slips my mind. Uh, transubstantiation. That's it. I ain't going to repeat it again. That big word means that some people believe that whenever they partake of the bread, that they are physically partaking of Jesus' body. And by doing so, they are washed of their sins. And that whenever they partake of the wine or the grape juice, they, they believe that by doing so, that it washes their sins. No, my friend, it does not. There's, that's, that's adding works to grace. That's, that's work salvation, friend. It's by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, amen. So we as believers, as Baptists in particular, one of our ordinances is to have the Lord's, uh, Lord's Supper in remembrance of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. What did He do? His body was broken. His blood was poured out. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. And he's coming back soon. Hallelujah. And we do that in remembrance of what he did. That's one of our ordinances. It's not a sacrament. You understand the difference between a sacrament and an ordinance? A sacrament is a way to obtain salvation. Amen. An ordinance is a, is a, is a order structured ritual that we are prescribed to do by the Bible. You say, who prescribed that? Not the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. The Bible. Said to do that. Amen. The second is believer's baptism. I touched on that earlier. Do you realize that wars, literal wars were broken out over believer's baptism? You know what they've done to Baptists, to separatists that believed in believer's baptism? I ain't going to get into details, but they would take the head of the house and they would um, make him like a eunuch in the public square and shish and set him on fire as his wife and children watched. And they would ask for them to denounce the Baptist movement, the separatist movement. What over baptism? Because they refused to baptize babies. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Go back. It was a bloody time, my friend. From, from, from the Dark Ages all the way through into the Reformation. Baptists had bled and died for what they believed. What did they believe? They believed in believer's baptism. Bled and died over it. Now, thank God today uh, we're not so ignorant, and, and, and uh, a lot of people realize, hey, that's what the Bible says. We shouldn't have killed them, amen. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, wars have been fought over that thing, and we believe that whenever you are saved at that point, you are now a candidate for believer's baptism, not before, amen. I want to share. I want to share these with you as well, quickly. Individual soul liberty, amen. I'm doing good on time. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I'm going to read that again. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now, ain't none of y'all give an account to me for what you do. Amen. I don't give an account to y'all for what I do. We don't give an account to each other. We give an account to God. What does that mean? That means that we have individual soul liberty. What you do in your life is between you and God. We as Baptists, and I, from, the, from, here, from here down, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, we're so bad at, at saying, well, I can't believe they do such thing. Can you believe what they've done? I can't believe they went out and done that. I can't believe it either, honey. Trust me. I sit there and, I, and I'm like, what happened? But at the end of the day, I'm reminded that they have, here it is, individual soul liberty. I am not over them. You're not over them. They are going to have to answer to God for it. And it might be wicked and rotten as the devil. And we're like over here just appalled that they'll do it. But at the end of the day, they do not answer to us. 
They do not answer to a pastor, to a deacon. They answer to God. Yes, the deacon's here to, to, to be a servant of the church as a representation and an ambassador of what a godly man should be like. And they're there to serve the church and they're there for help. And yes, the pastor's here to be a representative of God, to, to live morally and upright before God and man and, and to do his thing. But at the end of the day, they do not answer to me, the deacons, the congregation. They answer to God. Amen. And so many times that we, we want to look down our long Baptist nose and just give them a big old dose of how we feel about it when it's ungodly. They're going to answer to the Lord about it. Amen. Individual soul liberty. That means that whatever car you want to drive, you drive it, baby. I ain't going to say nothing about it, all right? If you want to pull up in a Ferrari, that's all right. If yours is red, make sure you get me one that's blue. Hallelujah. I won't say nothing to you about it. Amen. I'm just joking there, but seriously, we have individual soul liberty. And what that means is there's some great, there's some issues we call gray areas. You say, preacher, what do you think about drinking? I've had that conversation with some of y'all. Y'all know I don't partake. Y'all know I don't, preacher, I ain't even talking about tattoos since I've been here. I still ain't going to. Preacher, what do you think about tattoos? Individual soul liberty. That's between you and God. When it comes to these, these, these things that we get so caught up on, that we get so hung up on, that we fail to complete the commissioning of the gospel. Hello. We get hung up on petty things. It's individual soul liberty. You have that liberty to get that tattoo. You have that liberty to drink because I'm too busy worrying about sharing the gospel to a lost and dying world. I don't have time to get hung up on the small things. It's individual soul liberty. I didn't mean to get all hung up on that one, praise God. I felt something on that. Individual soul liberty. you got liberty in the Lord. Hey, if you understand what grace is, you'll have liberty. If you understand what, how good God... I am not saying turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. But if you understand what grace is, you'll rest in that grace. And you have freedom in grace to do uh, what, you, what you need to do for the Lord and to serve Him. All right, we're moving on. Uh, we got S here. We got saved and baptized church members. Say, preacher, who can join Sandy Plain Baptist Church? According to the Bible, a saved person. You've got to be born again. We can't just have some reprobate off the street that has no conversion story. Look, I understand that every church is trying to grow numbers, but you've got to be saved, amen. And then you've got to be baptized. That baptism is a profession of faith in front of everybody of the church that says, hey, I'm serious about this thing. And look, even missionary Baptists in this area, and I know we don't do it, but there's still a lot of churches that do it. They require their, 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 the people that join the church, and I'm not big on it, understand this. I believe y'all believe the Bible. They require them to memorize that church covenant, which is a good church covenant, by the way. It's a good one. But it goes on to say, and I, y'all know me, I ain't going to be preaching, but it goes on right there. It says, I'm, I'm to abstain from the sale of and use of destructive drugs or intoxicating drinks as, be, as a beverage to shun pornography, to be zealous in the efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. Well, praise God, we lose half our crowd right there. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good covenant to have, and I thank God for it. But I'm here to tell you, according to the Bible, it's not a covenant, it's not a confession. It is to, in order to join the local New Testament church, you have to be saved. Amen. You've got, you got to be baptized. The book of, uh, you say, got Scripture? Of course I do. Acts chapter 2 says this, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. It goes on to say in verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily uh, such as should be saved. 
Then we have our, our second T, the two offices of the church. Praise God, we're going to get out of here before 12. Uh, two offices of the church, amen. You say, what, what are the offices of the church? There's only two. There, there, is, there is the pastor, and that's interchangeable with the word elder or bishop. It quite literally means, and y'all know me, I'm King James only, but it quite literally means overseer. Uh, the overseer of the church. What, what does that mean? They, they look over the church, they're... They're stewards of the church. They're involved over. over. What does that mean? That means they're above. That means they're above things. That means as the, you got the Lord, and then you have the pastor or the bishop who oversees. Amen? And then that is, that is the first office. I'll, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. I've I got to hit this. If not, I ain't going to be able to sleep at night. Praise God. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. Amen. I want to show you all something in the Word of God uh, that's very, very specific, and I may be able to hit on it just a little bit more uh, about about the uh, the office of a um, of a pastor. And then while while we're all turning there, I got to find it myself. I don't have it marked. Um, uh, a, a pastor is, is is very difficult to find because it's not just a preacher. You understand? There's a difference. There's a there's a difference because to to be a pastor, you got to be qualified. Uh, there's some qualifications. 1 Timothy chapter number 3 verse 1 says, This is a true saying, if a man, I didn't say woman, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire for good work. A bishop then must be blameless. Hey, he's got to be saved. You, you might be shocked to find out how many pastors are standing behind pulpits right now that, that's lost as a jaybird. Uh, and if I could be honest with you, and I'm just going to be straight. I just got that spirit of boldness this morning. They're promoting this critical race theory. They're promoting homosexuality. They're promoting all this woke agenda. And the reason why is because they're lost. They're lost. Hey, he must be blame- He must be saved, friend. He's got to be saved. Must be blameless. How can you be count blameless? Well, the blood of Jesus has got to cover you, friend. Uh, the husband of one wife. There's so many ways to slice that up. Whenever you look at me, I've only been married to one woman for one lifetime. She's only been married to one man for one lifetime. Uh, and there are people, even today, that whenever they look for a pastor, not only are they worried about the pastor being a one-woman man, they say, well, what about your wife? And now that's extra biblical. Ain't nowhere in the Scripture is it in there. It's extra biblical. But they got such strong standards, they only want the wife to be a one-woman uh, uh, one man, woman as well. That's not in the Bible. But the Bible says the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine. He does no wine. What's not given means don't partake. No striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. He ain't in it for the money, but patient, not a brawler. Doesn't mean he can't fight. Means he's not out looking for a fight. Not covenous. One that ruled his own house well. I'm probably disqualified there. Amen. I'm just joking. Uh, y'all, y'all know my kids. They're, 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 the, point is, the point is your kids can't be just crazy and unruly. One that ruleth his house well, uh, having his children and subjected with all gravity. Here it is. Verse number 5. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the house of God? Not a novice or beginner, just somebody recently saved, lest being lifted up with pride and fall into condemnation of the devil. And I can go on and on and on about, about that, about the qualifications uh, of, of, a, of a pastor, amen. And, and it's very important to understand that this as well. Let's look at verse number, number 8. The second office is a deacon. Verse 8, likewise must the deacons be grave. I want you all to pay attention to this. Not double-tongued, not given to much wine. Hey, 
Your Bible says not giving them too much wine. That deacon can drink, but praise God, I know some deacons in here that have told me that they'd rather not because they realize this is a stumbling block. And I thank God because they have that individual soul liberty to choose so. Hey, isn't that wonderful when you choose to serve the Lord, not because you have to, you willingly choose to serve the Lord? Thank God for our deacons. Hallelujah. Thank God for them. Not giving to much wine, not greedy or filthy luger, holding the mystery of faith and pure consciousness, and let them also uh, first be proved. That means we got to test them, see if they really who they who they say they are. Uh, then let them use the office of a deacon. It's an office being found blameless. Now this is interesting here. I want you to vo- focus on verse number eleven. That does not give a qualification for a pastor's wife, which I found interesting. But verse eleven it says this: even so must their wives be grave. Now there's qualifications for deacons' wives. It's not an office, but it's a qualification for. Not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon uh, well purchased them to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let, uh, these, these things write unto the hoping to come unto thee shortly. So those are the two offices of the church. You know what that means? Ain't no office of apostle. You ever heard of of apostles such and such? Let me tell you this. That's heretical. You understand what it is to be an apostle? You have to be an eyewitness or had to have had a one-on-one encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. All the apostles are dead. Amen. I don't care if they got bloodline to them or they think they do. Amen. Amen. There are no apostles today. I don't care what their name says on the flyer. There's only two offices of the church these days. Last S and we're closing. Praise God. Y'all been very faithful. Amen. I want to show y'all this one. If you're, if you're an American, if you're a patriot, you're going to like this one. The last S in the Baptist is separation of church and state. You got scripture for that? Absolutely. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says this, Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You say, Sleepy Joe Biden's ordained of God? He is. God put him in there. I think he put it in there because he knows America needs to laugh. You, you get to listen to what he says. They're making t-shirts now with, with what he's saying. And it's just, just, a, just a bunch of, like, I don't get too political, but hey, praise God, I just don't care anymore. They're, they're making fun of him on t-shirts. I'm half tempted to buy one, amen. Uh, but but you, say, you say, will God, will God ordain him? Yeah, I believe he would. Would God ordain Donald Trump? I believe he would. Amen. That's my, still my president. Amen. Would God still ordain? Would he, who would he ordain? He would ordain the kings and the, and the governors of all the land. For the good or for the bad. It doesn't matter. God puts them in place. Then he goes on to say this in, in, in chapter, uh, chapter 13 of Romans, verse number 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. Lord, have mercy there. Ain't that tough? Ain't that tough right there when you've got a bunch of liberals and reprobates running the country? That's tough. But then it goes on to say this. And, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou not be afraid of the, of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt praise of the same. Hey, it tells us right there what they should be doing. They shouldn't be doing evil things. But it's important to understand this, that God established both the church 
and the local civil government. He established them both. When did he establish it? All the way back in Noah's day. That's when he established the local government. And he gave each uh, their own distinctive sphere of operation. They're very distinctive. The government's purposes are outlined in Romans chapter 13, all the way through verse 7. Uh, and the church's purposes are outlined in Matthew chapter eight, uh, 28, where it talks about us going out and preaching the gospel gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, making disciples. Now listen, neither should control the other. The church don't control the state, the state don't control the church. Neither should control the other, nor should there be an allegiance between the two. They are separate of one another. You understand? Christians in a free society can properly influence government toward righteousness. The reason why the government is acting like they are is because the church has failed in their influence to persuade them. Which is not the same as the denomination, praise God. Uh, which is not the same as the denomination or the group of churches controlling the government. My point is this, if you're a Baptist, amen, these are, these are distinctives. You say, that's kind of a broad brush. I know, isn't that wonderful? That means that quite literally, by definition, quite literally anybody can be a Baptist. Quite literally anybody. And like I said at the onslaught of the message, I don't believe that we've got everything figured out. I don't believe we're the only ones going to heaven. But I'm here to tell you this morning by, this morning by using that acrostic of Baptists, we understand a little bit more about who we are. Hey, we're not the only ones in this thing. I understand that. But we should be proud, here it is, of our heritage. We should be proud to know these great preachers that came on before us. These, these great movements that came on before us. There's a heritage that needs to be remembered in a day where they're tearing down Confederate monuments because they don't like the history of the Christian and Confederate heritage that we should be the first ones to stand up and say, hey, we're not going to take y'all destroying history. Amen. We should be on the front lines as believers. Amen. But listen, I'm proud to be a Baptist and i got friends in just about every denomination. I ain't attacking nobody, alright? But it's important to understand that we are Baptists here. It's Sandy Plain Missionary Baptist Church, amen. Uh, what that means is uh, about 130 years ago, there was, a, there was a local group around here that determined to be so that said, hey, we need, we need a Bible-believing church, amen. They got together, they prayed, they fasted, uh, they, they, they were with fear and trembling of the Lord. They said, we have got to establish a church for this community. And what did they do? They walked and they found a place... And I heard it's just right down the road, and they decided to establish Sandy Plain Missionary Baptist Church. I believe they distinctively put that missionary there because they wanted the world to know that they loved everybody. That they wanted to share the gospel with everybody. It wasn't just inclusive. It wasn't just for the people on the pews. They wanted to share the love of Jesus with everybody, no matter the race, creed, religion. They wanted to share it. But then they were not afraid to have Baptists on the sign. Amen. They were not afraid to say, hey, we believe the, the, the acronym, if you will. This is what we believe. This is how we do things. And it's all governed by the Bible. And it is all given by the Lord Jesus Christ, to the local New Testament church. He said, Preacher, after hearing all that, I realize that other denominations are very close to Baptists. You're absolutely right, and I thank God for that. Amen. Baptist is not a denomination. It's a doctrine. It's a, it's a, it's a grouping of teachings, of doctrines, which we believe. And, and, uh, and, and, and today, it's, uh, uh, and I hate to say this, and I'm closing. I'm starting to ramble now. There's so many different types of Baptists out there, ain't there, baby? When we, me and you first started dating, I asked her, I said, you know, I said, well, what church do you go to? She said, I went to Grays Creek Baptist Church. 
I said, are y'all Southern Baptist or Independent Baptist? Because I was at an Independent Baptist church. She said, what's the difference? I said, oh, baby, there's a lot of differences. And, I, and then when I said, there's, there's about 10, at the time, there's about 10 different types of Baptists. There's more today. But the point is, if you're truly a Bible-believing Baptist, that's the distinctive I'm putting on there, Bible-believing Baptist, you're going to find yourself in a church that's very similar to Sandy Plain Baptist Church. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And thank God for our heritage here. When we have Founders Day, amen, the man of God gets up here and preaches the Word of God. Remember where we come from. And remember that by knowing where we come from, we're going to know where we're going. All right. Sister, if you come, I'd like to close this thing out.